There is no deception in my life. I didn't see my brother after that, but I was glad that he went away. Again, like a bad penny when the bill is due. But then, it's better to be where I am. Gina sleeps, and I even make her lunch too. She looks at me for a second, and then her smile appears. Very slowly, but almost apprehensively. She kisses me, and we sit down. I sit next to her, not across from her. We hold hands as we drink coffee. She leans over and unzips my pants. It's a ritual and every woman should give their men blow jobs. I do make most of the money, and she doesn't complain. It's what she wanted. Well, not really. I grab her breasts, and she closes her eyes, taking in a deep breath. I felt her breasts. Her soft moans kept my erection hard. The dog stares at us as she starts to take off my underwear, and I move her panties aside as I finger her pussy. I lay underneath, and smell her asshole as push my face into it, and she knows to suck slowly, as I eat her out on the couch. Her pussy hair touches my tongue. I pull it out. I can taste the anxiety and warmth inside Gina. I had been inside her more than once. It's not disgusting. I know and love her insides and what she tastes like. She takes my cock out of her mouth, and licks up and down the shaft, very gently. Testing my strength, and will to hold out on exploding. But she is a little fiercer. She rubs my balls with her tongue and licks it, as she starts to get rough. She jerks me off so hard that my legs start to quiver. Quiver in the same way a man who heard what he didn't. The tension in a man's bones that make up what is lost and those who did fear what they think is dishonorable. Losers only did this, but in some ways, was my flesh just as weak? Was I just another lost soul in the digital nomads? We acted like strangers having sex. But I kept calling her name and tears flowed down her eyes. What's wrong? After we finish she sits still. Silence is not going to help us out here. That news yesterday brought everything back. I almost went insane for a moment. Do you need someone to talk to? I just can't stay awake for long. I feel tired all the time. How long has it been? Two years. I guess, it all just hit me. Like hit me, all over again. Do you remember? Not all of it. Maybe that was good. I sat and we became lovely again, but she went back to sleep. I went and I wrote, but I couldn't stop and think straight to write about my enemies. It gets tiresome as I let myself go. I let all of it go, but sometimes, I get that thirst for vengeance. I gave it up, but why does it still hurt? Why does it remind me of all the things I gave up? I mean, I get harassment every day. I left Twitteria for the chance to build my own life, away from the filth and the disgust that most yearn to live under. Why did the horos of my life only exist to torture Gina? Why was she the only one who was left with the ability to forget? But I did hide the knives and guns as she might get more ideas. I made myself a sandwich, but I stared at it. The way it sat there in condemnation. Like I didn't want to eat. I could only think about doing the things that would help preserve my livelihood. I sat and became used to the way the snow falls. Snowfall can hit the ground, but it can't stop bodies from being dug up again. I hated my brother. The trouble with such power and longing is that once you lose it, it was hard. I felt better for it. Not knowing what Twitteria thought. It's worse when only one is exiled, and the things said about Gina only made me wish that laws existed to protect the accused, not the mob or the accuser. If the internet cared, it was only interested in making up such claims that protected them, and not their enemies. The outcome is learning what is private and public, but Michael is protected all the time. The outcome of having such power and fame. It made Michael and Lakebrook stronger, and their lawyers gave them endless reasons to sue everyone. I think Michael let me go because I left, but Twitteria, was the one that had it out for me. 
such hit pieces provided no rest, and I think Michael Finkelberg moved on with his life. Like how could he forget about the people who he hurt? But I had to focus, because I would just sit there and never write a thing. I think writing was hard for me after I left Twitteria and Lakebrook. The dishonesty of being outcast is not for the weak. I couldn't get work anywhere. Banks rejected me as I had to use other lines of credit and put my money elsewhere. It's not easy when no one, especially those whom you love, are a part of what made your exile hard enough. Family members even rejected me and Gina. They didn't want the mob to kill them. It's like knowing who truly existed. Ghosts were more my friends than the people I worked for. Publishers rejected my books. They wanted nothing to do with me. They hated Gina, and labeled me everything they could use. Racist, deplorable, misogynist and all the words that no one would use unless they had facts to back up their claims. That old chestnut as I would always say. The soft birds moved around the window, and a nest of sparrows were sitting on the window. They were better yet confused by the way the wind moved. I thought maybe it was time to move again. To let me know that me and Gina couldn't hide. Hide away and write. So, I went to the main square, and I brought my Chris Vector in my backpack. I saw the disproportionate failure men hold on to. It's a wound that has to die off, but again, failure creates calluses. Gina needed more than physical rest, but I think I was going through it worse than she was. It's harder to hold back on vengeance when my hands tremble with the idea of turning over my enemies in a grave and leaving the world forever. But the disproportionate outcome is simple. Take care of Gina, be lucky you got out alive. I went to the main square and I sat in the coffee shop. I think I needed to go to the main square more. To help clear my head. Getting a cup of coffee was just an act of defiance in other places. I sat there, and I let the sun hit me. Someone closed the shades for me. I saw SH0E in head, and she waved to me, and ran over, like a little girl. She only smiled to me. She never did this with anyone else. Hey love. Hope you are alright. About what? Your girl. Yeah, some days are better than others. Yeah, I wish I could help, but I'm a stupid girl. If you want to come by. She looked a little quixotic. I think if Gina saw me she might just beat me up. I stopped for a moment, and shook my head. Probably. SH0 Ian Head was a small girl, and I think she couldn't lift anything in a box that weighed over 20 pounds. Well, I'll leave you alone. I grab her arm, and she looks at me, have you seen my brother anywhere? If I did, I wouldn't approach him. He hates my guts. I went back and I ordered my coffee. Coffee in the digital nomads didn't taste the same. It was like tasting something from the earth. The earth provided some rare infinite chaos when Twitteria tried to influence more than it should. Being worse than I should take it. But I guess no cream could stop that angry look on my face. I think when you're angry you don't realize when you're gnashing your teeth together, trying to not watch the television, or anything related to a screen. I had to finish my work, and let my wife sleep a little. Plus our dog needed some water too. SH0E came by and petted the dog. She didn't talk to me. God help any woman who does. Only someone walked in, and everyone's face went pensive. Only I knew who it was, and I wasn't happy to see him. Hello brother. I have had enough of you. Why don't you go somewhere else, where you aren't hated? Maybe you should go back and beg to Mikey and see if he will let you back into Lakebrook. That's not a way to treat your brother. I just want a coffee. Then get your coffee, and don't patronize me. All right. All right. He orders the coffee and he sits down. He drinks it slowly, as if he wants to encourage me to talk. I had to work, so I didn't think about it. I sat and I made sure to not make eye contact. 
Destructive people always love to turn their anger on people through sarcasm. It was like pretending to be friends, again. Like some brother who treated me like shit as I was successful and after being rejected, now he wants to talk to me. I didn't want to go into it, and I kept calm. Can I get a cigarette? Why should I give you one? He held out his hand. I looked in my pocket, and I regretted doing it. I didn't like helping my brother, at all. Another second more with him and I would have to leave. I handed him a cigarette, and he asked, can I have another? I looked at him, as if he was a blank headlight. I need another, so I won't ask for another. You know the saying. Give a mouse a cookie, and he'll want some milk. Depends on how you look at it. I grunt and then give him one. I begrudgingly pull out another, and he says, and another. I forgot what a joke was, and I just put them back in my pocket. You know you were always so easy to make fun of. I pull out a cigarette, and light it. It replaces me having to insult my brother. I pick up the lighter, and I light it. Again, he stares at me like I'm going to give him more, and I move the lighter across the table, and it lights a flame. Thanks. Is that the first time you thanked me? Yeah, I don't remember doing that, ever. I ignore my brother, as I should, because he just wants to fight and argue. Only I take a drag and I write. How much do you make? I could make some money if you left me alone. But I guess you have more than I am, why don't you bore me with that story while I ignore you, and go yaha. My brother repays the silence, but I'm always expecting some smart-ass answer at some point. How's Gina? I close my laptop, and I fold my hands. Since you want to bother me now, I'm going to say something. You can sit there, and we can insult each other, all day long. Cause the less I see you the more I want to insult you. You know, for a family member, you have a punchable face, too. Oh good, there's that anger. Well, at least I have someone who cares about me. Last time I checked, no one out in the digital nomads cares. Great fucking show of gratitude after what I did. I take a deep breath in with the cigarette, and let it sit in my lungs. As I talk, I let the smoke hit his face. You drove me and the family apart after what you did. What did I do? You can finish your coffee somewhere else, and I reach near my bag. Oh fuck you. Fuck you and the dickholes you hang out with. He addressed the coffee shop. If we're dickholes, you can leave. The door is there. My hand is halfway in the bag, but he walks out, like the drunkard who can't seem to hold his mouth. I'll tell Mike you said hello. I then pick up my bag, unfold the Chris Vector, flipped my stock sideways, and when I put it to my shoulder, bursting outside he was gone. My ninja skills are a little rusty, but I can feel my heart beating. I never thought of Gina as leftovers or damaged goods. I stood with anger, and violence in my hands. My finger was ready to pull the trigger. Somehow, my asshole brother had a way to make sure he pissed me off. I guess it was all mixed together with some personal vendetta. But I didn't fucking know anymore. What made the comment so vicious is that what happened kept a nagging pursuit in what I knew and didn't, but the anger was there. I think I scared everyone, and that was fine. They weren't used to assholes like my brother appearing so often, and they hated him, too. But the digital nomads was for those who did once assume they had the luxury of having freedom, but I hoped that Gina could lock the door, because it was going to be bad. I haven't committed murder, but the urge to strangle my brother was there. It felt good. It felt like I could do it, and damn the consequences. I didn't need someone telling me to calm down. I didn't want to listen. I was so ready to pull the trigger on my brother. But I guess I didn't want to hear it. I moved to the digital nomads, I didn't bother anyone, but again, they came with no permission, ready to fuck up my day. My Chris Vector, with such hot slugs, were almost horny. 
The trigger had been promised to be pulled. Nothing is worse when you don't pull the trigger and kill someone who hurts you. Not just in the cyber world. Really hurts you. You have to be ready to do it. You can't turn into a pussy all of a sudden. I go to the shooting range and they wave to me. They like the way you look at them. Such determination. The outcome is perfect, like you did exactly that. I stopped and checked my weapon at the door. They saw it, and the shorn gun metal showed off in the crystallized wax view of the E-light. But then I moved to the line, and I walked by a few who were shooting their pistols. They didn't have the Chris Vector. It was nice. Turning what you think is around each worry of men who confuse the settlement of men who defy their natural order. I am sure of the loss between men who think like me and then don't pull the trigger. I guess I had to learn the hard way. The hard way and how you might die if you didn't train or practice using a gun. But in Twitteria, it was hard, as you had to watch what you said. Anything could be used against you. I was also sneaking things in as well. Such dangerous ideas. The power used against two people in the worst way possible. Possible the worst thing done is through humor, but I think that's what made my brother funny. He was always so goddamned funny. Me and Gina sat in the front row watching my brother go off on some spout of verbal diuretic narration. It's not like he wasn't batshit crazy before. In the front row, my brother got me the tickets, I'm so proud of him. He's cussing up a storm. I didn't know I was growing up with someone so funny. I whispered over to Gina. Gina laughs, smiles and kisses me. We keep watching. It's like my brother is some fiend. He crafts such words together that puts me to shame. I knew he was perceptive, but funny, that was second nature to us. He seemed like the last guy you would want to have a verbal argument with. His lyrical verbosity made the room light up with every gross detail that could be said in the human language. Being that he was a stand-up comedian since he was 16, it made some sense. He liked the crowd. He made the world laugh, but it seemed like the last few years had been rough on him. The same who didn't really know how to handle money or keep a job. Plus, I had to smooth things over for him. The typical thing I had to do because they liked me more than him. It's not in me to critique my brother, because we did knock each other out a couple times. I'm not so afraid of him, but he's my big brother. He always had some smart-ass thing to say. Like he was big fucking loud mouth. The problem is he was too talented. It got in the way of his ego. Stupid fucking drunk. I called him sometimes. I think it made sense. The thing is he was always dry on stage. He didn't let it affect his work. The typical answer of a drunk who needed money. But some days, he couldn't contain himself. Someone who just had to say that extra sentence and ruin a good time. Hey, I didn't mind, because he was my brother. That's what he is. I can't stop him from being who he is. I don't consider that to be such a bad thing. He needed to be creative. Sometimes, I could just push him back a little when he was getting in my face, and whip back a smart comment. He was overly lecherous with Gina, and she knew how to handle him. She used to be a bartender so she knew how to make drunks not like her. Just tell them you pissed your pants. That bad huh? But sitting there watching him, it's hard to give a compliment, when he will likely insult me back, but it's fine. I just pay his bar tab and he shuts up. Thanks. But we do get to see his shows for free, and we don't mind. He acts like a big man when he has money. He doesn't ever call when he needs something. It's worse when he's poor and has to be humble and ask for things. Just ask. Don't pretend. So, it's easy, and while he's hot, or funny, he's funny, and he does play comedy shows. He met Amy Schumer and said she wasn't funny. Again, my brother may be very funny, but he suffers from selective memory, as he thinks he's the only person who exists. When he goes out for dinner, with me and Gina, he usually acts like he doesn't have a wallet. 
Where'd your wallet go? Oh man, I think I left it back at the club. Gina who hadn't heard this before, started to believe it. No, Gina, that's him saying he can't pay. Hey, times are tough. I sigh, and I pull out my card, and I said, it's for his big night. Thanks pal. I get free tickets anytime right? I will. The next time there was a show, he couldn't get us in and so we paid. Funny enough, I would have paid him anyway. It's not like I wasn't making money. I knew his tricks, and it was fine. But the last time, he couldn't get me in. It was pretty funny, but Gina wasn't let down either. After you meet my brother the first time, you meet the same person over and over again. It's easy to tell with him. But when he's on the stage, and making people laugh, it's easy. I think I could only celebrate when he does something that he had to put thought and talent into. It's hard when everyone tells you what to think and feel. He looked bad sometimes. He did gain and lose some weight over and over, because he had this compulsive urge to be what people wanted him to be. I'm not judging him. It's worse when you have to be everyone's puppet. I think it was because I got along, and I made sure to pay my bills on time. I didn't need much. I just wanted a car, house, and something to write on. I'm probably not a big spender. Playing video games was budgeted with a list I picked, so that I just didn't buy everything. A book from the library, and I felt pretty happy. I didn't need to own everything. My brother, had bigger appetites. I think it's hard when you have everyone asking for money, and then he asked me for money. I'm not trying to be hard on him at all, but I think he never learned to say no. It's the business. You want to be liked. I think the like ticker always went off and he had to pretend the animosity he felt was something I did to him. He would always trash me when I was successful. But sometimes, he would give me some pointers, other times, he would collapse and I would hear him snoring as he didn't even hang up the phone. I hang up the phone, and I look over at Gina. She's reading a script for her show. Something called Minefield. It was an action movie. I didn't really write those things, but sometimes, I did have some action in my writing. If you ever held or shot a gun, you had to make people use them in fiction. I enjoyed that, but back then, I wasn't into violence. I liked period peace dramas. Gina wasn't into violence either. We pretended, but maybe we didn't actually pretend that often. Pretending is only good if you have enough means to create what you need to see in life. I think needs and wants are variables with people like writers, as they budget most of their time, but I did like getting Gina nice things, and every so often, I got some major gigs. I did learn a bit about violence and how psychologically damaging it was, and I always made sure there was a balance of having fun too. Having fun is why I was so loved. I picked it up and I looked at it. Man, this is awful. I know, but it's going to be good. I can incorporate my training in it. You got your teeth knocked out so you could pretend to do it. I think that's a step up. Did you ever want to make one of? She taps the script. No, not really. It would be fun, but I'm not into that. Well, it's fun. We didn't really go outside in Twitteria that much. We had no choice, but we knew the jobs were here. Again, we were stupid to think that, but hey, the money was good. I guess the wisdom was missed on us. We were people who just wanted to be left alone, too. But the script was rather uninteresting, and I didn't argue with that. The eagerness in her voice. I guess she was more fearless. She did want to be fearless, and I think it's why I wanted to marry her. But in those days of just being together, it was innocent, like a love that hadn't reached its limit. But I didn't think there was a limit with us, and the world loved us. Saying the right thing was evident for us then. But I could tell she was restrained, but she wasn't afraid of physical violence. If only she had known what might come next, we might have fled earlier. But again, 
Not saying anything wasn't a crime then. We just stayed out of it. The consistency should have mattered. But she went to work that day. Only she came home a little perturbed. The studios are trying to get me fired. Why? New bylines trying to be added to the contract. I looked it over. They want to censor or fire people if they piss off the studios. I guess look for an exit if you don't like where you're looking. But the director doesn't do that and he's fighting for us to have open discourse. All of this sounded like crazy town to me. We'll figure it out. I think the horror that was to come didn't hit us until then. Landmine was going to be a big hit. She needed this. It was going to help her in her career. And Twitteria, in her once glory days, made the power rescind its natural eagerness. But the dysfunctionality of Twitteria was always askew and the hormones of crazed millennials wasn't in our purview. I think we managed to get as much sunshine as other Twitterans didn't. We took trips to the nomads. It was great. I think the country would be great. The nomads. I could write and write forever out here. Someday. We went fishing. She was more outdoors than I was. The soft digital skies of the open world moved around us, and we felt the wind blowing in our faces. The soft sounds of animals moved along bushes where the animals provided textual comfort. But the dysfunction of such beauty and warmth was odd to me. I think the country made the world far easier. You could shoot or live on the outskirts. Gina patiently sat at the edge of the river and she wasn't afraid of nature and how she breathed in through her nostrils. The decision to turn in and think about it all. The temporal infrastructure of the lakes calmed Gina. It wasn't hard to pretend the animosity of Twitteria didn't affect Gina at all. It was her power of disobedience. She didn't need the craziness of Twitteria. It was like learning that the world had a fixated length of time, and the fresh air calmed us. It's a place that we should have run to. But the jobs we had kept us poised to live in Twitteria and Lakebrook. But the disharmony was there, inside her hands. She cut up some wood for us. I was rather ineffectual when it came to strength, but still had some masculine qualities. I helped her too. We stared up at the stars. I always wanted a place to live, where there was no one around, and we didn't have to hear everyone all the time. Not having to participate in meaningless debates. Live life alone and away from people we didn't need. Why did Twitteria matter when the animosity we felt was far more intuitive? The same inkling of our love is all that we need. I just can't live in a place where we can't say what we think. It should have bothered me, and the horrible thing is, I said the famous last words, it's going to be okay. I wouldn't have said that if I had known what would happen. But then, every time I think about that moment, with Gina, attacked, and vilified, it broke me again. But the decay of Twitteria was what we had to live with. I remembered when we returned, all the people wanted us, and they yearned for us. It was a high, being liked, and loved, and having to smile all the time. Smiling as they did when they exiled us. I could still smell the sewers that weren't cleaned. We paid extra for exterminators while the poor didn't have that. But again, being loved was an extraordinary high. Strangers loving us in our every word. The power and misconception is that we didn't have it at all. The disgruntled love, and the build around facing the crowd. Such an open platform and we didn't use it for politics either. That's what offended a lot of our friends, too. If I had known what they would do to us, maybe I would have stayed far away. But the animosity of men who find their own villains is those they easily mistake for friends. Friends in the horrors that come with it. But the love they gave us was almost like animosity rolled into a burrito shit sandwich, and they expected us to be grateful for it. When they tried to pop over unannounced and wondered why we wouldn't let them in, and that we were busy is when they pulled the pity card. Man, you just don't like me, why don't you just say it? I was weaker then, just call us back, okay, we'll call you. 
I didn't like being mean, but I guess I learned the hard way later on. But I was busy. I was writing and I needed quiet. I wasn't a party animal either. Those have to be in a pack people are and still an annoying factor too. Gina liked my gentleman behavior, but I had to pay for it either way when I was walking through the street. Lamp signs flickered but they never worked for the commoner to use. Only those who believed in the right phrases ever saw the light. Maybe my eyesight wasn't good. I just walked. But things with me and Mikey were good, but then, my brother was always a nuisance. I expected this. But I remembered on that day, when our lives came to an end in Twitteria, it was that day. My brother was cracking jokes about us. I couldn't stop thinking about how much I hated him then. I remember moving through the sewers with Gina, after I took her away from the bonfire. The smell, and the stink were on us. Her body used to be so strong. They had sapped the strength out of her body. Ultimately, it was degrading. I was a writer with awards but today, I was a commoner. But I remember someone at the end of the tunnel, as I saw guards' palms being greased. Why are you helping us? I'm your brother. Later on, the jokes came. They all hurt but I knew it was fine. I think I went through the stages of grief once we left. Someone picked us up on the side of the road, and took us in. We were recognizable, but our flesh was scorned. I closed my eyes, and fell asleep, that night. The days and weeks that followed were hard, but we worked for the family who helped us. Gina just needed something to do. I think that's when the stare with her began. I could always look at her, but she didn't want me to see her. I could hear her crying in the middle of the night, and I gripped my fist. I couldn't cry at first. To think the world hated us, and now we were lost again. But I didn't have the words to describe my pain. The pain of having our livelihood and being destroyed. I had to look at the positives. We were both alive, but dead too. I think it was our fault, too. I think the horrible part is that we had some form of communication left. Maybe we were too good at being ourselves? But I didn't have the words to describe my pain. I think being ourselves was a crime in Twitteria. Only for the next few weeks, Dina would still not look at me. She would ram the door closed if she saw me, and I laid against the wall, and slid down it. Why won't you let me see you? I didn't hear an answer. I didn't push it for the first two weeks. I was good enough to let her sit and process her thoughts. But the confusion is there. I'm sure of the soft cries. It's easier to wallow, but it was wrong. My poor wife. But then, it only took a few weeks. But the disorder of being turned away is that no one wanted us. That sinking feeling of being turned against each other. I made sure to sit down and think. But my mind was shattered too. But I could only look at her when she wasn't looking. All the sadness and joy turned inside out. She was milking cows. So I stayed back. I was ready to let her do that, but it happened one day, we saw each other. She turned away, but I tried to approach her, but all I felt was that cold silence. Gina tried to dig into her skin, but the young farm girl couldn't restrain her, and she started crying again. The young farm girl was angry. Give her time, please. I wasn't helpless. I just spent those days looking out the window. The digital nomads. The typical answer to what we had. I saw my agent, standing outside the door. Is this for all your exiles? I do this for many. You and Gina just didn't want to listen. This was a lynching. My wife did and said nothing wrong. I know this and everyone with a brain can admit this. It's not how things are done anymore. So, what about my job? My agent, who looks at me, says he'll find a way. You're a really great help after all these years. I made you a lot of money, and this is what it comes down to. Imaginary crimes created by Twitterian mobs. It just has to happen.
What has to happen? If that happens, then you can leave. He just sighed and walked away. That was the last time I ever saw him. What's the point in remembering his name if he led me and Gina into the slaughter? I'm not trying to be flippant. Thinking about him only strengthens my resolve to be independent and own weapons. To keep assholes who later I learned stole money from me. I couldn't sue him for it. That agent in question would then face sexual harassment charges, and would put a bullet in his brain. So much for suing him. I guess he took the easy way out. I could have too. It was Gina that I had to consider. The very love that pushed me to happiness, made me hate her for a while. I didn't want her to be so outspoken, but I couldn't leave her in Twitteria. But I never scolded her ever. I wasn't and will ever be mad at the love of my life. I can't be mad for someone who inspired me to be courageous.